Hey, everybody, and welcome to Healthy Discourse. It's Emily here with Dr. Wiggy, and we're super excited to introduce and welcome our friend, mover and shaker in our community, Algernon Cash, to the show. So welcome, Algernon. Hey, Emily. Hey, Dr. Saunders. How y'all doing? We are, we are good. Yeah, yes. we're great. Yes, and as we were talking about earlier, there's there's so many different topics that we could discuss with you today, and hopefully we'll have some other episodes in the future that we can do that. Um, but we kind of want to target today to really what's happening in the service industries, restaurants and bars and that kind of thing. And um, I know that we don't have a fully local audience here, but I think that the story is pretty much the same most places these days. Um, some places better, some places worse. But before we jump into that, I would love for you to share with us a little bit more about, you know, some of the other things that you're doing in our community, as well as kind of how these things became important to you. It's always fun and interesting to understand people's backstories and how they got to where they are. Yeah, well, you know, by trade, I, I have an investment banking and consulting practice where I work with um, small businesses. And I used to serve, I, I used to serve as the uh, CFO at JNS Cafeterias, which is how I got my introduction to food service. And through working with the Nolan family and JNS, um, started to get more into the restaurant space. Um, I'm actually partners in several different restaurants. Um, launched a restaurant in town on my own um, by the name of Zesto that, that was on New Town Road pre-COVID. And, you know, just really got attached to food and beverage through, through, through some of those, through some of those kind of deals. And um, over the past several years, I'd had a lot of conversation with different restaurant owners in town about the need to create some kind of a restaurant association for us to get more organized. And about a year ago when COVID hit, um, I sprung into action and launched the Triad Food and Beverage Coalition, which is a advocacy program that we structured to basically support and advocate on behalf of the industry, just knowing that um, with the impact of COVID, um, it was gonna be important that we lean pretty heavily on our local elected officials and our state lawmakers and um, even our congressmen and women to, to help us get through all this. And so um, we successfully got a lot done at the state level. We, we worked a lot on the Restaurant Act, which was a $120 billion proposal um, that, that actually has now come into fruition in the last several weeks. So yes, I mean, the last last several years, I've been very active um, within the food and beverage industry. That's awesome. I know that, you know, right now, it seems like all of a sudden, everybody is wanting to be out and be doing things again and be in restaurants and everything. And um, it seems like right now, there are a lot of demands from customers and a lot of challenges happening within the establishments themselves that are of no fault of their own based on, you know, a lot of the things that have happened over the past year plus. And um, I, I'm just kind of what we'll go backward, I think, but let's start with right now. What do you see the challenges in this particular moment that we even as we need as consumers and customers need to be aware of as we try to help to successfully help our small businesses, especially in the service industry moving forward? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I think the service industry is, is still to some degree remaking itself. 
after the COVID-19 impact. And, and so for a lot of restaurants, bars, um, you know, breweries, caterers, they're all having to try to figure out how to do business in this, this new reality. Um, I, I think consumers' behaviors and habits have shifted quite a bit in terms of how they like to consume food. And, and so we, we see major disruption to fine dining. Um, we see consumers wanting more and more um, you know, casual dining, fast casual. Um, obviously, take up, takeout is, is much more on the rise. So, I mean, the, the, the industry itself is, is just really um, just, just going through a, a huge turnover at the moment. And then, you know, combined with the fact that we've just been dealing with a public health nightmare that, that hasn't quite went away yet. Um, you know, COVID-19 is still out there. The pandemic is still, um, still going, um, although we, we see a, a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, we've been fortunate so far not to have to deal with some of the variants that they've been dealing with over in, in India and, and other countries. But I think restaurant owners are still very nervous that that you could see a resurgence in COVID and we may go back to lockdowns again. And, and then I think third and final the, and probably the, the biggest struggle right now within the food and beverage industry is, is staffing. I, I think that's a struggle, quite frankly, across all industries. You know, I even saw the other day where, you know, Mock Tire is having to um, li limit their operations because they can't get enough technicians in. So that that same reality is true within food and beverage. Um, you know, a lot, lot of restaurant owners are struggling to find staff and, um, and and get some of their people to to come back to work. Yeah, I think that I'm seeing that as well. Kind of, in, I think in just just like you said, pretty much all industries, it's actually really challenging now to find uh, to find good helpers, uh, good uh, people that are ready to come in and 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 work. Uh, do you are you seeing that pretty much across the board with with restaurants too, where they're having challenges challenges to just to find people? Yes, yeah. I mean that that's a huge challenge. Um, I mean we we still have restaurants. I, I was actually with Congresswoman Kathy Manning uh, this past Wednesday. She came to town for a press conference, and we and she and I had a little bit of a one on one. And and you know I explained to her we we still see restaurants actually closing down, you know, not because of the pandemic at this point, but because of staffing shortages or they're having to reduce hours um, or, or they may be dealing with some, you know, service issues right now. So I know consumers are, are ready to get back out to restaurants. They, they, they're excited to be back into those places, which we, we are excited to welcome them back. Um, but, but the staffing shortage is, is leading to some service issues. And so I do think it's important for um, consumers to continue to be uh, patient uh, with your local restaurants. Will you tell us, I mean, I know that there are a wide variety of opinions and, and hypotheses and so forth as far as why we have more of a lag in coming back to work or whatever that might look like in certain industries. And I know that there is no definite answer, but I also know you're super involved with these restaurant owners, like, what are you hearing? What is their biggest issue with getting people to either come back to work or finding new staff members and training them up? What What would you say is are the biggest issues we're facing when it comes to why that doesn't seem to be able to happen in the as expediently as I think most people would like to see it happen? Yeah, I mean, what I'm what I'm hearing, and um, Congresswoman Manning and I had this conversation this past Wednesday. But what what I'm hearing is that, you know, w workers are are lazy and they don't want to get back to work because they are getting a lot of free money right now, you know, mm -hmm. from from the state and the federal government. But 
Um, but that's not true. I mean, it, that's that's not actually what's happening. Uh, the, the problem is far more complex and much deeper than 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 what people are are saying. Um, yes, I mean, I think the federal government has given out a lot of free benefits over the last year or so. Um, and and anytime you have something like that happen, you are going to have some percentage of the people who take advantage of that. And, you know, they could be working, but they're not working. So I think to some degree, there's some validity in it, but it's, 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 it's a very small degree. Um, really what's happening is the, the restaurant industry is a tough industry and it's, it's stressful. It has a lot of anxiety. You're, you're dealing with the public all the time. Um, you, you know, that's the reason why you have so many mental health issues and substance abuse issues within, within the restaurant industry. And you don't make a lot of money to, to, to do it. And so I think last year when COVID hit, you know, rightfully, some people just decided that I don't want to be in this business any longer. I, I want to go do something different. And mm -hmm. so I think we had a permanent exodus last summer. And those people have decided not to come back to the industry, despite the fact that re restaurants have reopened. Um, and, you know, in tandem with that, I do believe that you have some people that have received some stimulus money. I've got a former employee that I ran into some weeks back and, you know, she told me she's got, you know, she's got three kids. So she told me she's got somewhere between eight and $9,000 sitting in the bank. And, you know, I asked her if she was working. She said, no. And she says what I'm doing is she says, I'm going to use that money. She says, I'm getting ready to go back to school and I'm, I'm going to go try to find a really nice job so I can take care of my kids. And she explained she didn't want to be back cooking again. And, and so I, I can't blame Jasmine for wanting a better life for herself. And she's using that money to create a bridge and, and to sort of transition into a better life for itself. Um, and then I think the other main issue, the other last issue that we have is, is just competitive pressure. I mean, you've got Amazon out in Kernersville paying $15 an hour plus benefits, you know, so Jerome doesn't want to be in the dish pit. He wants to be out at Amazon. And I, I, I can't blame Jerome for wanting to do that. So it, right. the, the issue is far more complex than we just have a bunch of lazy people sitting at home playing video games. Right, right. And I thank you for clarifying that because yeah, I do yeah. think we hear a one-sided um, piece of that and, you know, almost everything is more complex than we think it is, right? So, um, and there's a lot to be, to be said for that. And it is great that some people are able to use this as a launching pad in the time that they were forced to be off to say, well, what do I really want to do now? Or to find something that is more, um, less dependent upon in person, fill in the blank, and more more flexible when it comes to it is you know what. Let me find something I can do that makes me essential. Even though, in my opinion, all businesses are essential, but um, I think that's a big piece of it of it too. And and we have to give those folks credit for for having that mindset around you know okay, what happens next, and yeah. how do I care yeah. for my family yeah i do find that really interesting because i because I, I think that did help to, to clarify kind of the the issues and the factors playing playing a role here because i think that the mindset generally is is that people just don't want to work because they have these you know stimulus checks and they're kind of just they're buying their time uh but the fact that you're kind of seeing this more on the you know ground level that that's not really happening that this is that's actually a small percentage of it i think is interesting uh so do you you think think that the like the you know, service industry and restaurants in particular, that this is going to be this like it's just going to be completely different moving forward, more like leaner and meaner. Like there's going to be, you know, more uh, to go stuff or you, do you see that this is going to be a shift. And because I'm seeing a shift generally kind of with medicine is that there, there appears to be this was 
kind of accelerating the shift towards more televisits and those types of things. And so I think we're going to start seeing uh, that pick up steam in medicine in the next, I don't know, couple of years. Do you see the restaurant industry really just transforming coming out of this? You, you know, Dr. Saunders, I, I see the entire economy at large transforming, quite frankly. Yeah. And, 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 and it's such a major disruption at such a high level that, you know, restaurants and food and beverage will have to shift. If, 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 if you don't shift, it's sort of like a building that, that can't bend a little bit when the wind blows. Yeah. Um, it's, it's probably going to get blown away. So you, you, for restaurants that are trying to stay, you know, keep their feet planted and not move and, and not not pivot as you know the, the, the new word of the day is, then yeah. um, they probably won't make it. So like, I'll give you another example. I, I spoke with um, a young lady who used to be a um, service manager, Re really great, great personality, um, the kind of person that you want inside of your restaurant. And I asked her uh, what, what she's doing nowadays. Well, you know, she's working from home for a company out in Nebraska. And she does like phone calls and administrative work. Um, she's making, I think, $16, $17 an hour or something like that. But she works from home, uh, making just as much money as she did when she was in the restaurant industry. But she gets to stay home, gets to be with her kids. And she's working virtually. And this is yes. a young lady that has the personality for exactly what this company has her doing. So that COVID-19 is, is, was probably one of the greatest disruptors to the economy since 9-11. Yeah. And it, it is going to completely shift and transform the way we do things, the way we do business. Um, McDonald's now has launched a um, concept up in Illinois where they are using artificial intelligence now for the drive through system. Mm. And it's, it's similar to like talking to Alexa or Siri. And you pull up and you tell the system what you want and it puts your order in and you drive around and um, they hand you your bag. Now, for an old guy like me, that may seem a little bit strange to be saying, hey, Alexa, I want a Big Mac with French fries. <laughs> but, it, it, but for my daughter, she actually literally walks through the house. Um, she probably talks to Alexa more than she talks to me. So, <laughs> you, you know, for her, that is second nature to be able to do that. Right. Um, you have you have Chick-fil-A that has announced that, you know, their future buildings won't have dining rooms anymore. They're, they're going mm -hmm. to strict drive through takeout to go. Um, you've got uh, big groups like Applebee's and Chili's invest in, you know, now one hundred and fifty million dollars in one year on virtual concepts. So concepts that don't have any brick and mortar. You can't go sit in there. You can't yep. dine in. You yep. just order them off, off DoorDash. And Applebee's has also announced that any of their future concepts will not be the big standalone facilities any longer. They're going to be looking to go inside of strip centers where you can where they can have a pickup window. So I yeah. say all that to say that, yes, that, that's a long winded way of me saying there has been major disruption, not just to our industry, but even as you talk, Dr. Saunders, I mean, you're seeing shifts and changes within within what you do. And, and I think sure. everybody's going to continue to see big shifts and changes as we sort of adjust to this this new world this this new reality um a lot of this technology that we're using was already here and available pre-covid yeah. but but covid in the last year has has accelerated it to to a pace that i don't think people have realistically caught up to yet i'm a um you know we were starting to hear these you know rumors um, and seeing little pieces of inflation starting to happen um with you know it started with with gas and like i've heard 
you know, chicken wings and um, building, materials. building materials, building a deck now is, you know, four times more than it was last summer. I know you're very heavy into, you know, the banking industry and that kind of thing. What are you seeing coming in the future when it comes to inflation and, and, and what are the, what's the trickle down into the service industry with that? Yeah, Emily, that's a great question. And um, I, I literally had a meeting on this with a CEO of a company in Burlington at the end of last week. So um, it, it's not coming. It's already here. It, it, yeah. It's it's already arrived. And and so um, in the food and beverage in the food industry, we, we are used to buying a case of chicken wings for somewhere between eighty five and ninety dollars a case. Right now they're going for one hundred and fifty dollars a case. Wow. Um, I am talking to restaurants that are imposing 20% price increases across the board right now. Um, so you you are getting ready to see your menu prices go higher. If you, yeah. you for some places, maybe you've already seen it go higher. Um, I talked to a brewery this week over in Raleigh, and they are now paying all of their employees $15 an hour, um, and they are increasing menu prices, and they've added a service charge to every ticket. So if you 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 have no choice about tipping any longer because it's already built in. So, um, so yeah, I, I mean, I've, I got a, I've got a, I'm in a, I'm a partner in a restaurant over in High Point where, because she's such a great server, we can't lose her. Um, I mean, we're, we're spending $12 an hour plus tips on her now. Um, so mm -hmm. we're, we're also going up on menu prices. So yeah, it, it's, it's already here. Um, you know, Emily, I, I think you're already probably seeing some price increases and, and, you're, you're probably going to see a lot more because it, there's, there's just so much money in the system right now. So like we, we've spent $5 trillion in the past year on COVID-19 um, response. Um, so to put that in, in perspective, that's more money than we've spent on every war since World War II combined. Um, wow. So, so that we, we spent that in 12 months. Um, the, the current administration, if you listen closely to the latest State of the Union speech that was given, um, the, the, the administration is proposing, um, if you take all the programs and plans that he talked about, it totals up to another $6 trillion. So wow. um, there, there is a tremendous amount of money sloshing around and you can't have that much money coming into the system at that rate and, right. and not think that prices are going to go up. So, um, so and, and then I'll just say this before I pause. So the other thing about restaurants, is they're dealing with the raw material increase being the price of food and disposables and those kind of things. But they're also getting into this thing where they're also starting to deal with wage inflation because of the staff shortage. Right. So if you take a restaurant that does a million dollars a year in sales, which that, if you think about your typical little small locally owned restaurant, that's probably about what they do. So a million dollars in sales, 60% uh, of that it is already going to food and labor. And if, if, though, if and so that leaves about 40% for your fixed expenses, 30% of that is going to cover your rent, your utilities, your waste management, you know, cleaning all your towels, that kind of thing. So that owner has about 10% in net profit. Um, okay. So that's a hundred thousand dollars. Then, you know, uncle Sam comes in and he takes his piece. The state takes their piece. If the owner's lucky, he nets about $70,000. That's about 7% net profit coming back into the owner. Um, to put that in perspective, um, you could actually make more money being the GM at McDonald's because the starting salary is $80,000 there. So, right. so the, these owners are in a very tight margin business. And if their raw material price is going up and their labor is going up, they have, they have no choice but to start to go up on menu prices. Right. Ooh.
That's interesting. Well, and I think, you know, as consumers and Wig and I, we don't miss our date nights. Like it's a standard. We're not going to miss it. And we, we love supporting our, our local economy in any way that we can, because we are small business owners. We have yeah. four businesses between us and, um, and it's, it's important that we do that. And I think, like you said, we do need to have patience right now. Um, but we need to be doing our part to do what we can to support those businesses and not just sit and complain that everybody's closing or the service wasn't what it used to be or whatever. Um, I think as we're transitioning into this new everything, especially in an industry that's been hit so hard, we need to be encouraging. We need to have patience. We need to get out there and support them too, and to and to do our part and and um, giving those those folks that are working so tremendously hard our business um, as well, and you know that's something that's really important to us. So, and yeah. I you've you've definitely opened well, my eyes sure. to some new ideas and things, and you know it's important for us to be aware of all of this because I think sometimes when we understand the why behind whatever the issue is it helps us to be more patient. It also helps us to know what we can all do to help love and support those business owners that have been serving our community for many years in many cases. Well, I think, yeah, I think that's, those are really important points that you brought up because I think it does highlight the problem of, of the small businesses right now. And, and unfortunately, I think, and again, this is across industries, including medicine, just like private practices are pretty much obsolete mm -hmm. at this point because you have to be part of a major medical organization just to make it anymore you know we're one of the few private practices in the city that's that are still able to to kind of to still do our thing and i think we're seeing that again that probably is even more pressure now uh in in the restaurant side and that these these locally owned uh businesses and restaurants are probably really filling filling the squeeze so i think it does really highlight the the necessity uh, for us to keep that in mind that not not to always choose the convenience options or you know what's what's uh easier but to really go out and support the small businesses because i think if we don't we're going to see and this may be inevitable and that's and that's what I'm, I'm a little discouraged by it but it may be inevitable that it's just going to turn into all major corporations you know just like lowe's home depots dominating you know the home improvement sector we may see that just these major restaurants like, you know, Chick-fil-A and McDonald's, they may just dominate the restaurant industry and may basically see an extinction of these, these small restaurants. Do you, do you see that, that that is a risk that these small, you know, family owned restaurants are going to become just, you know, a, a thing of the past? Yeah, I, I think that unfortunately, Dr. Saunders, um, I think that danger is very real. And yeah. unfortunately, I think so many owners within our industry probably don't believe it and they, they should. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure if you went back in time many decades ago, um, I'm sure the local shopkeeper didn't believe that there, there would become a day where you would only have big, you know, grocery store chains like Foodline, Harris Teeter and Publix and so forth. But yeah. that, that day is here. Um, you, when, when's the last time you went into the the local shop and and knew and bought groceries and you knew the guy who owned the place like that, yeah. you, that doesn't happen anymore. Um, I'm, I'm certain if you went back in time, the, the local pharmacist never thought you'd get to a point where CVS, Rite Aid and, and Walgreens just dominate everything, but, but they do. Yeah. So it, it, that, that danger is very real. 
Um, I like to ask the question, you know, when, when's the last time you even went out and had dinner and everybody had on a suit and tie? Um, no. <laughs> right. it, it, you know, I mean, that doesn't really happen any longer. And, and so young people, um, which, you know, the, the, the younger generation is what typically drives a lot of these generational shifts. Um, you, you know, I would call, I was talking with a developer friend of mine, I've, I've done work with him for 20 some years. And, you know, he and I was just reminiscing and, and I said, man, I remember the days when I wouldn't have dared come meet you and not be in a full suit and tie. Like, I just wouldn't even have thought about it. Like, it was normal. It, it was normal everyday clothing. I said, but if I walked in here and had a suit and tie on the day, you probably asked me if I was coming from a funeral. So, <laughs> you, you, you know, so things are just changing rapidly and shifting. I think if you're in the fine dining business, and I don't say this to be, you know, I'm not trying to be negative or a doomsday here. I'm just saying I, this is what I see. Um, if you're in fine dining, it, it, it is going to be tough for you going forward. Um, it really is because the, the younger generation doesn't like the white tablecloth. Um, you know, I've got three forks and eight spoons, you know, like that, right. that's just, that's not what they like. Yeah. Um, and so what they like is these more casual dining options where you have these chef inspired concepts mm -hmm. where you can go in and be casual. So it, it, it is changing, um, to, you know, Dr. Saunders, what I can say is. I think there's always going to be some place, though, for, for, you know, locally inspired food. Um, the the mm -hmm. one thing that is different between restaurants and grocery stores, um, you know, grocery stores are just bringing in that product and they're, they're just a big retailer. Um, there's something about food that I think is, is a little bit more deeper and it connects us. And, and I heard Emily say a moment ago, you all always have your date night, right? And so you have your date night, you go out, you spend time, you do that over food. That's how you connect. And I think that's true for so many people. And I, I think there should always be a place for that locally chef inspired menu. But sure. but I think what you outlined is is real danger. I will I'll also add to Emily's point. Um, you, you know, when you guys when and I'm speaking to your audience, when, when you want to, you know, when you need that that when you need that local business to buy that high school yearbook ad, you're probably going down to the restaurant on the corner. Um, when your school wants to host a spirit night you're probably calling the local restaurant on the corner of Maine and Maine. Yeah. Um, it, it, it is these local restaurant owners that are oftentimes here. They care about the community. I just gave you a, a good example of how they really don't make a lot of money. They're not in it for the money. They're in it because they like to serve people. They like to see Emily and Dr. Saunders come in and smile big on their date night when they've got that really great plate, good, good plate of food in front of them. They, they enjoy that. And so if you care about them as much as they care about you, when you have a bad issue or something goes wrong or your food is a little cold or you got to wait a little long, um, don't call Facebook, call the manager and, and, <laughs> and, have, you, yeah. and have, a, have a conversation with them and give them an opportunity to correct it. Give them a chance yeah. to get better before you run out and, and attempt to cancel their entire business. Well, and, and to that note, too, I mean, I think we need to be really careful. We, you know, we we serve people and we have you know, product-based businesses too, is to, you know, always expect for every last issue that we're going to end up getting something for free. Like that shouldn't always be our motivation. If we have something constructive to share with the manager, like you said, 
I think it should be more like, thank you so much like for listening to me, for hearing me. We look forward to coming back next time and seeing how you guys are growing. Not, I need you to pop my meal. I need you to give me a gift card for next time. Like we, we, we need to stop expecting those kinds of things from every last little interaction that doesn't go our perfect way, in my opinion. And I'm saying that from a consumer and from a business owner standpoint, because I think we've gotten to be quite entitled and we're in a changing environment, like you've said, in lots of different ways. And it's important that we're encouraging and patient with one another too. So that's just my little additives. Yeah. I don't own a restaurant, but I think we've got to be really careful about our approach to this. Well, that, yeah, that, that kind of leads me to a follow-up question too, is that you, you know, said approach the, you know, the, the businesses or the managers and, and have a discussion with them. And this is just kind of talking just from a, another small business owner is that, is there advice that you'd have, for to small businesses to making that easier for people to have a, an avenue uh, or a way to communicate with the business so that they aren't going to, you know, Facebook or Yelp and, you know, trying to cancel you through, you know, social media. You, you know, Dr. Saunders, thank you for that question. Cause I, I actually think it's, it's, it's profound as well because there, there are, and, and I will say this, there are instances where you do have customers that try to go through the proper channels to, to resolve whatever the conflict is. And you, you know, I often tell small business owners, bad managers can put you out of business fast. Mm. And if, if, if you've got a bad manager in there or you have a bad management team that doesn't understand that the most important person in that building is the customer, then you, you, you're, 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 you're not going to make it too long. So a lot of restaurants, quite frankly, Dr. Saunders, that close, um, yeah. really quickly it is it's because of service issues and you you could have the greatest food in winston-salem but if you're if your staff and your team if, if they're not on point if they don't care about the business if they don't care about the customer and they don't yeah. care about the service level you, you you just won't make it i've seen restaurants with really great food close down within a year mm. and likewise i've seen restaurants with mediocre food last 40 years and, right. and it's because you go in there and you know Miss Annie and Miss Annie knows you and she knows your kids and your kids and she's watched the kids grow up. And, and, you know, and so it's that kind of connection yeah. and engagement that, you know, maybe that hamburger that Miss Annie makes really isn't the best hamburger in town. But there's a connection that you have with her and the restaurant that's above and beyond the, the particular item itself. And so we, we try to always yeah. coach business owners to think about the culture. Um, think about the culture more than you're thinking about anything else. And, and that culture, it, it, it can't be a forced culture either. It can't be a fake right. culture where I treat Emily and Dr. Saunders a certain kind of way, but then I treat my employees another kind of way because mm -hmm. employees will see through that too. So the, the same way that I'm engaging and inviting with Emily every time she walks in and I know the names of her kids and, and, and the things she ordered the last time, I've got to be that same way with Jasmine in the kitchen. I've got to know the names of her kids. I got to know their birthdays. I've got to have that culture all the way around. And I think if you create a nice, solid culture, you, you'll be in business for a very long time. That's good. That is fantastic advice. We talk about this all the time yeah, when good. it comes to how to grow and grow well, especially. So thank you so much for your time today. I, not, I think you like, you know, I feel like we're somewhat in the know in these things, but you've you've really opened my eyes to some new yeah. new ideas and, and and better understanding of what's happening and where we're going. And I'm sure our audience is going to feel the same way. So I will link in the show notes to the the Triad uh, Food and Beverage Coalition and 
So hopefully our audience can check that out and get engaged in our community or your community and understand some of these things that are going on so we can all help each other to continue to recover. Yeah, and I would just add for your audience, if you want to learn more about Triad Food and Beverage Coalition, we do have a, a group uh, by the name of Eat Drink Triad that's on mm -hmm. Facebook. It, it is a great way if you really want to know about the restaurants in your backyard, but not just know about them in terms of their menu, but learn about them, who the owners are, their narrative, and why they why they got in business. That group is a great way to do so. Um, Emily, we've now launched a YouTube channel called Eat Drink Triad. We have a podcast called Eat Drink Triad that you can get on your your favorite podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Pandora, et cetera. Um, so we, we are really trying to get out and engage the community, tell the stories about restaurants to help people feel like they, they know more about the industry and who's behind the industry. And so I, I, I'm really thankful you gave me a chance to share with your audience. I'm also thankful for our new friendship um, and have enjoyed getting to know you and Dr. Saunders. I'm looking forward to getting to know you as you better as well. Um, and just really appreciate you all having me on your show. Absolutely. And we'll link to all of those things um, in the show notes, too, so folks can know where to check you guys yeah. out. And Algernon, please call me Wiggy next time. <laughs> oh, man. We're, we're um, friends man. now. We're friends now. Man, my, 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 my grandmother would come out of the grave <laughs> and, and knock, me cross, knock me cross my head if I didn't use that doctor. But um, no, I appreciate I appreciate you giving me that that license. Thank you, yeah, man. of course. <laughs> Thank you so much. You have a great weekend, and we'll catch up with you next time. All right. Thank you all. All right. Bye -bye. See ya.